1: Sox fans, here are the Bastards of Boston Baseball. Welcome everyone. The Bastards are back for this Monday edition of the podcast. We are brought to you in part by the Minute Media Podcast Network. The Red Sox just wrapped up a three-game set with the Tampa Bay Rays losing the series two games to one. They are currently in fourth place in the American League East, three games behind the Yankees and Toronto, who are tied at the top, both 10 wins, six losses. Yankees just destroyed Cleveland in the Bronx like they always do. Quick disclaimer for any first-time listeners, this is not a Homer podcast. We call it how we see it. When the Red Sox are dominating, we will celebrate that. When they are getting destroyed, we will be critical and at times savagely blunt. If you are easily offended, press the stop button immediately. But for those who embrace it, Let's get rolling. I am Terry Cushman, coming to you from Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, by way of Windham, Maine. You can find me on Twitter at CushmanMLB. You can find the podcast account at Bastards underscore Boston. Joining us tonight from the city of Providence, Rhode Island, Charlie Smith. Charlie, how
0: are you? Oh boy. It's going to be an exciting show tonight. Um, yesterday was rough. It was a rough birthday, let me say that much. Rough, rough.
1: Yeah, it uh, hasn't been a fun week. I mean, the Red Sox have lost five out of their last seven, and some of those losses pretty painful. We'll be getting into those shortly. Also joining us tonight from the nation's capital by way of Newport, Rhode Island, joe goddard joe how we doing everybody
2: uh i'm doing okay i was at the ballpark today enjoying the giants tromping the nationals so i I unfortunately had to watch today's game after that and uh only just wrapped that game about 45 minutes ago so i got some fresh takes Uh, i got some serious anger about the game that ruined charlie's birthday and uh I'm interested to see what the two of you gentlemen have to say. We didn't really talk all that that much over the weekend about things we think need to change. So here we go. We'll hash it live.
1: The war room was pretty quiet for this weekend, actually. So yeah, good observation there. Uh, Before we do get into it, I just want to say if I'm basing my own take on this versus our Twitter account, the bastards of Boston account, I'm in the minority, but I'm not a Kevin Euclid fan in the booth. The dude is dry. The dude is so dry. And it doesn't help that he's in there with David O'Brien. I mean, you can't he's not gonna be a guy who sparks life in in his uh you know counterpart in the booth, but I'm just not a Kevin Euclis guy. I'm I'm looking really forward to to Kevin Millar whenever he's scheduled to do his twenty games this season. That's a nice cold take, Terry. Kevin Euclid has been
2: great. He's one of the only reasons to turn on the broadcast so far because the baseball has not been fantastic. Um, I think Euc brings kind of a fresh set of eyes to this Red Sox team. He brings in a lot of analytics, but yet is still this old school baseball guy I just want to see him and Mike Monaco together more often and, and less Dave O'Brien with him because I think Dave O'Brien has a, a different style than Monaco. A lot of people like Monaco. I like Monaco and Yuke. I like O'Brien and Eck as my two favorite tandems.
1: Eck definitely carries O'Brien. It's a much better broadcast with, with Eck. But Charlie, your, your thoughts on them?
0: Yeah, uh I I don't think the Red Sox are going to, you know, fire Kevin Youkilis because the Red Sox are sucking similar to how they uh they did a former uh literally uh, one of my favorite voices ever, uh Don Orsillo. I think what they did to him was a travesty and it it's 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 brutal, but Kevin Euclid has not been the worst part about 2022 so far. <sighs> to be completely honest.
1: I'm just, it's just boring. I mean, when we're, we're not getting hits, like we're going to talk about later and it's just a boring game. You can't fall back on the guys in the booth to entertain you like you used to. And I'm curious. I thought Middlebrooks would also get some booth time, but he's been in the studio with, with Tom Karen. So I don't know if he's going to get some time. I'm not expecting a lot out of him, but I'd like to at least see it. (laughs) You You know,
2: I actually think he might be very good. Um, He brings a a different take, right? He spent a little time in the majors, a lot of time in the minors, a little bit of different experience. He married Jenny Dell, so there's some stories there. Um, And also that experience there, because Jenny Dell is uh, one of the best at her job as a sideline reporter and is now working for, I believe, ESPN. So I'd like to see kind of what what Middlebrooks brings to a broadcast.
1: I wouldn't mind seeing it at this point either, but... All right, so Red Sox lose the series, so the format for this show is the weekend shit list. Um, hopefully that doesn't offend anyone. That's about as vulgar as we get here. Although Andrew did drop an F-bomb late in the last show, which, you know, hopefully uh, we'll we'll curb. We, we had a group discussion after about that, so um, it was just a, a slip on his part, but... But the Red Sox literally suck right now. So a lot of items on the shit list. Charlie, go ahead. Lead us off.
0: Yeah, so, I mean, real talk. The first game kind of went off. It it was kind of nice to do what we did. Um, I I like Corey Kluber, but it it was really, I think, one of the only chances that we had. I personally didn't think we were going to win game three. I think McClanahan is... One of the best pitchers in baseball, and he showed that it doesn't, doesn't matter how you start, it's how you finish. Um, but these bats, holy crap. Hello? Where are you? Game two, on my birthday, I'm sitting enjoying, well, should have been a really nice dinner. The servers kind of sucked. Um, the service was awful. Uh, and the only thing worse than the service and the restaurant that we went to were the Boston Red Sox for nine innings yesterday. They could not do anything. Garrett Whitlock pitched a fantastic game, and this is something that we talked about, uh, you know, a week, two weeks ago. But there's no hitting. You cannot live on this. You cannot live getting two runs of offense for a game, not against Tampa Bay, and they just showed you why. Two runs in the top of the tenth inning, and then they blew it in the bottom of the tenth inning. You figure maybe they allow one since the runner is going to be automatically at second base. And then today you come out, you score two runs on forts in the first inning. Last eight innings, two hits. That's it. So outside of that one inning, you really didn't do anything again. So the last two full games, 19 innings, you've had two runs of damage or two innings of damage. It's unacceptable. You know, people are trying to make cases for the Bobby Dahlbeck's sombrero of strikeouts for Dahlbeck. You know, no one did anything yesterday. And sometimes players go through ruts where you might get an 0 for 4, an 0 for 3, an 0 for 5. Guess what? Literally every single player went 0 for 3, 0 for 4, 0 for 5 until the 10th inning. Not enough. Against Shane McClanahan, first inning, two runs, four hits. This could be a light show. We're finally starting to wake up. And then second, third, fourth, fifth innings, nothing. Sixth inning, I think we had... I think it was one hit in the sixth and the the fifth. That was it. That's it. You cannot live on that. You do not have a sustainable product. If you think that two runs of offense in the AL East is going to get it done, maybe against the Pirates, maybe against the Reds, against teams that no one cares about, including their own fans, like two runs, okay, sure. Two runs in back-to-back games. I expect you to lose every single time. If you're facing the Yankees, the Rays, the Blue Jays, if you score four or five runs a game against the Blue Jays, you're going to lose that game. You need to score more runs. You need to hit the ball. You need to figure it out. You have one, two, three, four, five, six out of your nine guys hitting 250 or lower. That's unacceptable, inexcusable. That's pathetic. Rafi Devers struck out two times each game. Two times. Swinging for the moon. It's not happening. It's not working. You need to make adjustments. This is April. This is April, and we're, we're two games under 500. I'm not hitting the panic button, but I'm definitely hitting the wake the bleep up button. Xander Bogart's hitting 350. Thank God. Devers hitting 265. We can do better. Doogie, 291. Everybody else, run away. You are not doing your job. There are players that are playing up in Boston right now. I don't even know why you're getting chances to bat. Top of the ninth inning, two outs. Travis Shaw is pinch hitting for Christian Arroyo. Why? That makes no damn sense. Travis is 0 for the season. This makes no damn sense. And it's beyond frustrating. That is what I have. So the Red Sox
1: were okay in in Game One. They did kind of tool on a uh, aging Corey Kluber, who hasn't quite found a way to reinvent himself yet. One of the bright spots in that game, Michael Waka, uh continues to be very solid. A one point nine eight ERA on the season, but getting into the rest of it, the 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 president of the. Uh, Michael Walker fan club is on mute right now. Uh, I'm I'm having a blast uh,
2: with the Michael Walker signing. Uh, I've been having a blast with it for three months. I hope Red Sox fans realize that there will be a coming to earth moment. That doesn't mean he sucks. Michael Walker's is a good pitcher. He's better than Charlie gave him credit for. He's better than everyone who listens to Charlie gave him credit for. And he's three times better than what Terry (laughs) gave him credit for. So Um, at least that part is working.
1: Before the season started, it was my least favorite move of the winter, besides the Bradley one, uh, anyway but um, and I hope, like I said in the last show, I, I hope I eat some serious crow at the end of the year but but getting into game two, where we almost got no hit, how how often will you get to go into the 10th inning of extras with a with a zero zero score, getting no hit? We might not see that for quite some time. And with the automatic runner on second, Andrew in the war room pointed out, we could have won that game without getting a hit because all you need is two sack flies and the the run comes home. And as long as the pitching holds up, you win the game. That's crazy. That's a crazy scenario. That's yeah. So I'm not going to lie. I was rooting for it. I me too. Me too. I, I hate that stupid rule. I I'd rather watch a 14 inning game with the with a team earning it. Not that Tampa wouldn't have beat us anyway, uh, you know, with the Kiermeier shot, but but like Charlie says, we're getting killed right now. The Red Sox are currently 19th in MLB as far as batting average goes. The team collectively has a 225 batting average. And uh, and also mediocre 276 on base percentage. That's bad. That's grossly underperforming, given the guys you have in that lineup. 22nd in OPS. So it's been putrid. A lot of our concerns prior to the season are are exactly the glaring concerns right now. Could Kike sustain what he did last year? So far, the answer is no. He's hitting 180 or something like that. Is first base going to be an area of of production? A, A lot of us were concerned about Bobby Dahlbeck. Is he going to revert to what we saw in the first half of last year? So far, the answer is yes. Travis Shaw, 0 for 17. He hasn't even drawn a a walk. He's got zeros all across the board right now. Nothing but zeros all across the board. Here's something else I find hilarious. The one player that has a legitimate excuse to be terrible right now is is Trevor Story. The dude didn't have a spring training. Then he got sick. He He had a stomach ailment. And if there's one guy that's not going to not going to be performing well, it's going to be him. But, you know, he's he's hitting 234 right now. And his his OBP is 60 points higher than that? I'm not saying it's great, but he's been contributing. He's also stealing bases and, and helping the team win any way he can. He did have a blip, which we'll discuss later, but. This team, we can hold Devers accountable for for swinging for the fences and not just trying to simply put the ball in play. And, and we can criticize Kike as well, but this lineup was very poorly constructed and there were some issues that should have been addressed as well. So... <sighs> We're hoping to finish 500 for the month. We were talking about that before we came on. In order to do that, you got to split with Toronto, win both of the games against Baltimore. That gets you back to 500. But we could get buried fast and have a, a very daunting uphill battle uh, You know, for much of the year. Let's hope we don't get buried.
2: Terry, you brought up some of those team numbers, and I was wondering, do you know where we rank in strikeouts?
1: Because I don't, not off the top of my head. Yeah, I, I can pull it up real quick. We're actually not terrible uh, with strikeouts. There are, there's, well, we're, we're, there's eighteen teams that have struck out more than us. So okay, so we're in the middle of the pack. M- middle of the. If pack. If you could
2: break that out by position, I guarantee you were first. At, we're the worst at first base. Pretty much guarantee that we have the worst. First base tandem in all of baseball in Bobby Dahlbeck and Travis Shaw. That was a concern coming into the season. That we didn't have a left-handed first baseman. That we didn't have a power bat from the left side besides Rafi Devers was a concern. Verdugo has been fantastic. I think he's playing better than he played last season. Playing a lot like his 2020 uh, COVID year form. Been Impressive. The rest of the bats, you're absolutely right, Terry have not woken up,
1: so we're actually at first base we're we're ranked seventeenth, so we're we're not really that's not really an outlier. We're, wow. we're we're a little bit worse than that in hits though at first base we're ranked twenty first. so um, Bobby Dolbeck's four hits, right that's that's what
2: that's what brings us to twenty first that I didn't realize there were teams that were that bad. <laughs> at offense, but I guess we're not the only ones, right? The Pirates exist, as do the Reds and a couple of other teams. Um, I must admit, I am very concerned that we're going to get fed the same load of, of uh, innuendo by this front office that we don't need reinforcements. We don't need changes because they're coming from inside. They're internal can't wait for Tristan Casas for that much longer. We can't wait for James Paxton and Chris Sale to come back to make changes to the bullpen. We need to make changes more immediately. I understand it's April. I understand it's early, and I'm not saying blow it up. For all those people who are just immediately fast-forwarding, they're taking this clip, they're putting it out on Twitter, they're putting it out on Facebook as, oh, the bastards of Boston baseball, they hate the Red Sox, they want us to blow it up, they don't trust time no, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is there are moves that need to be made. I think a, a big move that I would make, we need to reorganize this bullpen. Right now, guys are in two buckets. The we're winning and I trust them bucket of Alex Cora's and the everybody else bucket. And right now, though we're winning and, and we trust them, Cora has Hansel Robles in that bucket. I don't think his blown save over the weekend uh, counts. I know those are unearned runs because of the error by Trevor story. We'll talk about that later. Um, he still maintains that bucket. He's got what one blown save now since August 29th is the last time he allowed an earned run. So he's okay. Garrett Whitlock, obviously he hit for the first time, started the first game into his career. We had the over under it at, at 10 and a half starts. Still going to hit the under on that, even though he was fantastic. Nine and a half. Charlie, thank you for the correction. He's still going to hit the under on that because he's the best weapon you've got in the bullpen. Obviously, you need him in the bullpen because you need him to pitch three games a a week at this point in order to have a chance at winning. And then it looks like Jake Diekman and, and Matt Strom are also in that we're ahead, we need wins category. The rest of these bullpen arms, and correct me if I'm missing somebody, when I look down the list, no one scares any opposing hitter at all. Is there a single guy on this list that is going to get meaningful innings for Alex Kors Red Sox right now? Matt Barnes, no. He can't throw the fastball with any command. Ryan Brazier, well, we saw what he did today. He was absolutely terrible. He has lost the strike zone. Even when he threw a strike that was called a ball, he missed his spot by four feet. If you miss your spot by that much, you don't deserve a strike call. I don't care if you threw it right down the middle. That's an embarrassment. I understand a lot of people were talking about robot umps and how that's a strike. You don't deserve that strike call. That doesn't matter. I understand that the base hit by G-Man Choi came after that fact. That's too bad. That's what you deserve. Deakman wasn't great. Saimura, he can't throw the splitter for a strike. We, we did an entire episode on Saimura and how if he could throw the splitter for a strike instead of just a chase pitch, he would be fantastic. He's not there yet. He hasn't been able to do it. He's got a lot of walks, not inducing enough ground balls. I can see Charlie nodding. I know he I know he understands. Cutter Crawford, well, we've seen what that looks like. Sometimes he's good. Sometimes he's really, really not good. Um, But at this point, that's a guy you're going to have to go to for two to four innings on given nights because we signed Rich Hill to be our five. I like Rich Hill. Rich Hill is good for two times through the order at most. No one is getting fooled third time through the order on Rich Hill. So if you get five innings from Rich Hill, count yourself lucky. Valdez, we we know what Valdez is. He doesn't have gas. He's got 89 miles an hour, throws from a funky angle. He can be very good. He can also be very wild, not reliable. And then you talk about Tyler Danish, who's up on the COVID IL, because at the moment we don't have Josh Taylor. I trust Josh Taylor, but I need Josh Taylor to come back and be Josh Taylor of 2019. 2020. Not Josh Taylor of last season, Uh, right up until the end. I am concerned about this bullpen. We're not going to see James Paxton back in the rotation and, and slide one of these guys from the rotation to the bullpen until at least... July. And that is assuming that somebody else doesn't get hurt in the interim. The bullpen needs one more piece at the very least. And I don't think it's coming internally.
1: I question the management of the bullpen as well. Phyllis Valdez didn't have it today. And Will Venable, who's the acting manager right now because Alex Cora is out with COVID Brought in Ryan Brazier with the bases loaded. No outs. Terrible move. And
2: and who... See, I, I understand that move a little bit, Terry, because you have to go to a guy who can get you a strikeout in that situation. And, and Brazier does throw gas. He's very different than Valdez. He gives him a different look instantly off the bat there. I wouldn't have gone to him But I know that with the upcoming constraints on who can and who cannot pitch in Toronto, you kind of have to play with the guys who are either unvaccinated and not making that trip or who might not be as high leverage on that trip. Because unfortunately at this point, you're going to have to choose between trying to win a game in a situation where the bases are loaded and there's nobody out and trying to win a game in Toronto with circumstances undisclosed in a couple of days where your offense is is really not going to bail you out so if you give up a, a hit there and the base is loaded, you're going to lose that game and will Venable knows that he's not an idiot.
1: Well, Frazier's not he he's stopping out at 93 right now, so I mean he's he's got similar issues uh, that that Matt Barnes is struggling with. I probably go with a guy. Like Tyler Danish, who struck out the side uh, in the last series, get you some punch-outs. In his one appearance uh, this series, he he didn't uh, strike out anyone but got out of the inning cleanly. I don't know where Sawamura is. Not that he's super ideal, but he's having a decent season. And then Matt Strom has been very reliable out of that bullpen. I would have went with Austin Davis too, but he had pitched the two days prior, so I can see why you might lay off of him, uh, you know, and not use him for a third day in a row. But but Brazier just I I only like him in a clean inning, not not in a bases loaded situation. And Rich Hill was okay. Uh, but they took him out after four innings uh, right as the order was coming through the third time. So that seems to be the mentality for him, but maybe I, I let it ride for one more inning. He wasn't super sharp today had, uh, let's see, three walks only struck out one, but a lot of that was in the, in the first inning as well. And he was lucky to escape that with, with no runs, but Charlie, go ahead.
0: Yeah. I mean, similar to what, uh, job was saying, um, Before Valdez pitched today, Valdez was damn near perfect. So maybe this was just an ugly blemish. Sure, chalk it up like that. Call it one. Let's just see what happens for him moving forward. I don't want to poo-poo Phillips Valdez just yet. Uh, If we start, like, railing into this entire bullpen, that's going to be very bad very quick. Um, Cutter Crawford has not been consistent uh, Hansel Robles before that um, kind of ugly game reared his head. Just, he was just completely out of the zone as soon as that happened. Garrett Whitlock, in relief, has one less strikeout than your best starter. That's how good Garrett Whitlock is. So to put that into perspective, if you can even find someone half as good as Garrett Whitlock and, and slot that man in there, you're going to be fine. You don't necessarily need to go out and get another arm if you can uh, groom someone to be that guy, the next Garrett Whitlock-esque character uh, in, your, in your bullpen. Deakman, not upset about what he's done. Uh, Terry just mentioned Tyler Danish, his first game out. and it was uh, they, they were talking about how it had been, what, like four years, 2018, that he'd been in the majors, and he strikes out the side in his first game. He, I, think, I think he allowed a walk in his last appearance uh, in the series. But I'm not really too worried about it. I, I, I think that Danish could be a guy that they could count on. Diekman's been good. Strom's been fine. I have no issues with Matt Strom. Um, so those two uh, additions did, did pan out. Rich Hill is 42 years old. I'm not expecting him to throw 75, 80 pitches minimum a week. I, I don't think any of us should be expecting him to throw more than five, five plus a start. That's not why you brought him in. You brought him in to just be a starter to get five. If you can get anything more than five, great. If you don't get five, damn, you're close. Um, but he wasn't—he wasn't crazy unsharp. Allowed four hits, three walks, no runs. So he was able to minimize the damage. Did not do that bad today. I think it's—it's it's an opportunity for him to kind of build on it. This was definitely his best start uh, in relation to some of the other ones that we've seen him have. Um, I think it's also pretty important to mention that this is a. a A divisional opponent you know the first two he was facing um i think it was both central teams these are the teams that we need to make sure that we win that we that we have quality starts in we're pretty damn close to it uh i don't believe he's hit five innings yet so it will happen once it gets warmer that's going to be something else to take into consideration you know the the muscles move a little bit better uh when it's warmer so Hopefully in you know May, June, July, things get better. I am kind of curious to see what happens August, September for Rich Hill.
2: I get concerned about taxing the bullpen more so than saying they haven't been good because anyone who's saying that the problem with this team is the bullpen would be wrong. The problem with this team has not been the bullpen. In fact, it hasn't been the starting rotation either. Charlie, you brought up a good point. Rich Hill is not there to pitch seven innings every start. He's there to do what Martin Perez did last season. Just eat five every fifth day. It's all we want. Even if you get only four and two-thirds, okay, fine. But right now, the other guys are not giving the bullpen a break. And unfortunately, it's going to lead to some losses in games like we had yesterday on your birthday, Charlie, where... The offense that you talked about doesn't pick him up. And the guy that, you know, needs to do that is going to be Rafi Devers. Uh, you guys touched on it a little bit. Rafi Devers looks like he's pressing. He looks like he's trying to hit the ball 500 feet. And when trying to do that, he missing. he's missing the easy fastball. He's missing that doubles fastball up around the letters that he can wrap and just kind of slap it the other way for a double. Once this offense starts to get rolling a little bit, like somebody needs to get going three, four games where the offense scores five runs. Hopefully it's on this trip. I have a feeling it's going to happen in Baltimore and, and Rafi kind of takes a deep breath, realizes he doesn't have to do everything himself. Things will come. Good things will come. I'm just hoping that similar to what Terry said earlier, we don't find ourselves eight games out by the time the team shows up because, uh, I don't know if they got the memo, but the season started April 7th. It doesn't start May 7th. So these games count, and uh, I would like the team to start playing like it.
1: One guy I am getting a little bit concerned with in the pen is Jake Diekmann. Game one of the series, he very nearly blew it, walked three people uh, in that last inning. They had to go to Matt Barnes, of all people, to get the final out, which – Luckily, it did happen because we would have got swept. And then just today, he comes in with runners on, throws a wild pitch, Kiermaier scores, and then in the next inning, Yandi Diaz hits a home run off of Diekman. So uh, if he's going to be a high-leverage guy, he's got he's to get that command uh, a, a little sharper and uh, not be letting guys on base or, or balls go over the fence. Uh, Getting into game two real quick, the extra innings loss, who do we put that on? Trevor Story for not uh, taking his time and and getting the runner out, which would have ended the game, or or do we put it on Hansel Robles for giving up a a three-run home run? Neither. Uh, That's
2: my vote. My vote is offensive players one through nine, so Trevor Story maybe a little bit. But you don't get a hit until the 10th inning. You all deserve the loss. If we snuck out of there with a win in game two, it would have been because Charlie needs something nice for his birthday and the service was terrible at the restaurant. He needed something. But in reality, you don't deserve that win. Like, I understand Whitlock was fantastic. Seven strikeouts through four innings. You can't ask for anything more out of a bullpen guy. That is filth. Absolute pure dominance. Dominance. Your bullpen pieced it together. You had a bullpen day by necessity. Everyone played great on the defensive end. Trevor Story, learning a new position. Didn't have a spring training. Rushed the throw. Bobby Dahlbeck didn't bail him out with a great scoop. Bobby Dahlbeck bails him out with a scoop. He's probably on the, the star side of a good, bad, and ugly episode where we talk about how good Bobby Dahlbeck snapped out of it. Made a great scoop at first. We took two out of three from the race, But instead, I'm going to mention the fact that he struck out three times today. The offense in Game 2 literally did nothing. It was not worth watching for nine innings and, and nine and a third innings, really, uh, on, on Game 2. It's upsetting. I don't blame Hansel Robles at all. He's been fantastic. He was clearly shaken up by the fact that that play wasn't made, and he, he grooved one to Kevin Kiermeyer, who is a killer. I want him on the Red Sox just so he's not playing against us in the AL East. My God, do I hate playing against him. Charlie, what do you think?
1: You're on mute, buddy.
2: Okay, well, we seem to have some tech issues there with, with Charlie. We'll get him back in just a second. Terry, you asked the question. I'm going to bounce it right back to you. Who's to blame for this loss?
1: I, I do put a little bit of blame on Trevor's story. I mean, it, it wasn't that difficult of a play, and it, it's just painful that we were one strike away. We were either one strike or, or one out away. Um, and it, didn't it, was, it was a
2: one-two count. We were one strike away.
1: Yeah, so if Robles gets the strike, we're done, or if – If story uh, just simply uh, makes a a more accurate throw and, and then we're 500 right now, we're sitting at, we win the series and we're we're at 500. We've only won one series all year. And that was against Detroit. We split with Minnesota, but go ahead, Charlie.
0: Can you hear me now? Yes. I was unplugged. Um, No, I mean, as far as that game, as far as that game was, was concerned, um, I think Job coins it quite diplomatically. If you guys don't get one hit in nine innings, you all deserve to lose. Nobody did their job. I think that's fair because I respect Trevor's story knowing full well, okay, what are you going to say? Everybody's going to be listening. Everybody's going to be watching what you say about this moment. And you said, I made a mistake. I should have taken my time. I didn't do it, this loss falls on me. As opposed to saying, well, we didn't hit, and making it seem like it was a team issue. I think he recognized, Trevor Story recognized the platform, recognized the area, and read the room. And he he did what he was supposed to do as far as being an elite leader in that team. I think he definitely gained some points. But as as, as far as pitching goes, I mean... You cannot let one batter get in your dome. You can't let one pitch get in your dome. You have to be able to overcome that, move on, get to the next one. That's it. Joe?
2: Well, Charlie, you made a great
0: point about how Trevor's Story handled the moment.
2: That was my good takeaway. Like I know this is the weekend shit list, but this was the one thing I took away from this was he can handle the market. And – I know Charlie agrees with me. He's nodding his head, thumbs up. He can handle the Boston market. He could have gone out and said what he should, what he would have said in Colorado. That's that's a Colorado Rockies answer. Well, we, we should have hit better. And I guarantee if you ask any other players on the team about Trevor Story's answer or about, you know, why'd you lose the game? Well, they're all going to say, well, we should have hit better because they know that that's on them too. And I like the way this clubhouse is trending as far as Teamwork, culpability, the way they play together. What I don't love is the pitching staff gave you everything they had and the offense let them down. When the offense gave them everything they had against Detroit, scored nine runs, we won that game. But the pitching staff did everything they could to try to give it back. This team needs a little bit more give and take. The pitching staff needs to be as good as they've been and the offense needs to be better. It's as simple as that. Charlie, I know you had one more thing you wanted to add.
0: Yeah, real quick. This is all happening without Alex Cora too. Like you, you. This is not the coach telling Trevor Story what he needs to say. He recognizes the platform, read the room, and did what any elite athlete at their position would do. Mind you, he's playing out of position, and he's still doing a really, really good job. I, I'm, I'm not going to say anything bad about him. As, as Terry had mentioned earlier uh, on the show, this is someone who did not get a full spring training. This is someone who's still, you know, getting ready. He's still kind of gearing up slowly, but surely. And I know once he starts getting hot, things are going to really look good for Boston.
1: Last item on the shit list. Charlie uh, expressed some interest in, in bringing this up. New York Yankees fans. Throwing stuff at Cleveland Indian outfielders. Oops, I slipped. Cleveland Guardian outfielders, uh, specifically uh, Oscar Mercado out in center field. Um, a lot of, and it's not just with the Guardians, a lot of teams' players are getting harassed out there. Alex Verdugo uh, spoke about it, wasn't phased by it, though. And, it's disgusting, and it was so bad. So much debris was getting thrown at these players that actual Yankees players were running out to center field to tell their own fans to knock it off. And As they should. Just, Let, let's
2: be honest. I think the, the players did the right thing there, the Yankees players. I know John Sterling on the call, I don't know if either of you saw that, was talking about how those aren't real Yankee fans. Those are hooligans. They don't deserve to be at Major League Ballparks. So I agree with that as well. I was em- Embarrassed. By Yankee behavior there, but they were going back and forth um, all all game with the the outfielders, and they're going to ruin it for good fans. They really are. Charlie, um, what did you want to add to that? Anything?
0: No, I wanted to let Terry finish his point first, and I'll, I'll go after Terry.
1: Yeah, I mean, I was just getting into the fact that the the, the Yankees are that fan base is just t- it, terrible. Is is putting it lightly? It's a toxic toxic fan base and i i'll i'll point out one more thing after charlie makes his point so go ahead charlie
0: seldomly have i ever seen a team win that wasn't like i don't know the last game of the season where people are looting or doing dumb stuff and whatever i've never seen a team walk off celebrate and then have to run to one part of the field to prevent their fans from continuing to embarrass their their team. These idiots in right field may have forgotten that we almost didn't have baseball twice. We had the COVID season and then the strike. And you bleeping morons thought it would be a wise decision to throw trash, beer bottles, beer cans, hit an umpire and continue to, to, to throw inappropriate signs with your fingers and your hands to uh, just, I mean, honestly, it's going to be really hard for someone to tell me that there's a fan base out there worse than New York. That was absolutely embarrassing. Like, you're clearly showing, you're showing why your team is so trash. You have one title in 21 years, one, and you bought that title. You bought 2009. Your fans will do anything. These fans will do anything to try to be relevant because all they do is, but we've won 26, 27 titles. We've won 27 titles. You guys are garbage, blah, blah, blah. You know what? That narrative is over. It's been 12 years since you've been relevant and by relevant, I mean World Series winners. You've won one time in the last 21 years. You guys aren't even on the planet. Your fans should not be acting this way. If you're Yankees brass, you clearly have videos. Honestly, if there's one Yankee player I feel bad for, it's Glaber Torres. Glaber Torres couldn't even celebrate his his game-winning hit because halfway through, his team isn't celebrating with him. They're, you got Giancarlo Stanton. Aaron Judge putting up hands saying guys guys stop like what are you doing what are you doing it's an embarrassment Miles Straw ended up climbing up the rail to get in the face of some of these fans who just continued on acting foolish they're were, they're were chanting Spider-Man today not as a compliment but they're calling him all sorts of stuff and it rained booze when Miles Straw got announced as far as the lineup cards went today If you are a Yankees fan that was there throwing anything, you should be embarrassed, not as a Yankees fan, not as a baseball fan, as a human being. Because if someone did that to you or your kids, how would you feel? You are garbage. You are what you throw. That was disgusting. Disgusting. And you hide behind that wall, that facade. I'm I'm done. Like... I don't need to go to Yankee Stadium ever again if that's going to be how they're going to they're be treating opposing teams because these are the equivalent to, like, keyboard warriors that hide behind a keyboard and type these obscenities and whatnot. These morons would never say stuff like that to Aaron Judge's face. They would never say that to Miles Straw on the street. They'd get dropped. They would get absolutely destroyed. So I, I feel like every single clown that was in right field and left field doing all that crap should be banned from Yankee Stadium. Be done with it.
2: I agree, and I just want to add one last thing. that I really thought of this while Charlie was speaking, but what it's really going to do is ruin the athlete-fan relationship across sports. I mean, you see it in basketball all the time, with fans now getting obscene in the face of NBA players because they're right there on the court. Well, now players are going to be less and less likely to engage with fans. It, it's not good for the sport. It's not a good look for your city. Charlie, you're absolutely right. It's an embarrassment. And I, I really think the Yankees organization needs to take steps to fix the situation. They need to have words with not just those fans, but all fans about what is what is not acceptable. Um there needs to be some, some messaging and some lessons being taught around baseball. And I think it's only going to get worse as sports gambling becomes more prevalent and people are losing actual money as well as, you know, their feelings being hurt or not.
1: Charlie and I love to tell this story and I feel like we're kind of telling it too much, but one last time I'll go over it. We Charlie and I were at Fenway last September at a Red Sox Yankees game and we were in straightaway center field It was late in the game. A lot of drinking had been had by a lot of the people sitting around us. And there were these young kids just a few seats to our right or to our left, actually, in the same row. And there was a Red Sox fan antagonizing the you-know-what out of a Yankees fan. And Charlie and I have different personalities on how we would handle this situation. Charlie, being the peacemaker, wanted the, the Red Sox guy to just leave. And I wanted the Yankees fan to turn around and take the Red Sox fan's head off. Just, just absolutely drill him, knock him into next Tuesday. And I was fine with that. I was fine with the Yankees fan tra- just utterly knocking out a Red Sox fan because the Red Sox fan was being an idiot. And, and that's how I am. I'm just all about decency. And it's just it's just too bad that it didn't happen. The guys left and, um, yeah. So, um, so yeah. So, you know, people need to be decent to each other, regardless of who you're rooting for, what venue you're at, whatever. We're gonna get kicked off this call in 10 minutes I'm seeing I've never seen that before so so we're on a timer all of a sudden. um real quick we we don't have to get too much into it. um there were some bright spots uh this weekend. Cutter Crawford was lights out in a in a long relief uh, role that was in game two, I believe yeah he pitched three innings uh struck out five in that appearance so. Um, so yeah, so good there. And real quick, I'll get you guys' take on this. Garrett Whitlock is a starting pitcher. He's a starting pitcher. And as Charlie said, he's basically leading the team in strikeouts. And I don't know how you take him out of this rotation when he gives you a performance like that. And just for the record, four innings pitched only gave up one hit, walked nobody, struck out seven in four innings. He is the ace of the staff. He will pitch better than Chris Sale when Chris Sale comes back. Garrett Whitlock's numbers will be far and away better than Chris Sale's. I hope Paxton comes back and is a stud. That remains to be seen. He's he's had his moments throughout his career, James Paxton, where he loses his mechanics and goes on a bad stretch. Uh, so... Uh, I want to see more of, of Whitlock and I want him to exceed that nine and a half game over under that we set for it that we all agreed would be under. I, I want to see more Whitlock too, but I actually think in this era of
2: baseball where your relievers are as important as any player on the team, I think he's more valuable in relief. I really do. I want his fingerprints on two to three games a week giving us a chance to win when we have the lead rather than one game a week where if the offense doesn't show up, we can, we can lose it in 10th. I'd rather have them in the high leverage innings than the early innings. Maybe that makes me too new school for Terry over here, but that's just how I look at it. And I think the more games you can pitch Garrett Whitlock, the better.
1: I only want him every five. Charlie, what's your take on that real quick?
0: Oh my God, Garrett Whitlock! He he's just an amazing human being. He's making every like Rule Twenty Five draft seem exciting now because before him, I can't remember the last time that there was a player that did anything remotely. Close the rule to Five draft is to.
2: done now, Charlie.
0: Yeah, it's Rule over. Five. Excuse me. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it, it's it's just it's insane. Like, will there ever be another story as beautiful as that? I don't know. Um, but I, every three, four games, you want him to go at least. <sighs> three innings, and if we end up putting him in the starting rotation, who do you backfill him with? And right now we just don't have an answer. So he is, like I mentioned, he's got one strikeout less than the native ball. ERA is insane. His numbers are insane. And the Red Sox did not do him justice. He should have gotten the first win. I, I thought this was going to be the guy with the, the first the first of five wins on the Red Sox right there. Michael Walker.
2: But, uh, it could be. I just want to remind everyone Michael Walker is the best pitcher on the team.
1: Well, I mean, I'd still say it's Whitlock, but all right. We got seven minutes left, so uh, let's just get through this. This is a four-game set. I hate four-game series as a podcaster. It's just way too much to go over, but let's get into it right now. Uh, Game one, which is Monday at 7. Let me see. So all but the final game of the series. So the first three out of four games are primetime games. So that's music to my ears. Nathan Avaldi versus Jose Barrios, who looked a little bit better in his second appearance. Barrios didn't get out of the first inning against the Rangers, um, but uh, our sure-handed Evaldi going up. Uh, Charlie, who do you like in that one?
0: So for this one, uh, it's going to be tough. It's going to be brutal. I want to give Evaldi the edge and say we're going to get it done for this team, but we're going to be going in with a lot less weapons than they are. Me personally, overall, in the entire series, I think we're going to win one out of four. I think this is going to be the game that we get it done, so I'm really hoping that Evaldi gets the win. I agree with Charlie. This is the only chance you have to take a game in this
2: series.
1: We won't spend much time on the next... Uh, game Nick Pavetta versus Kevin Gosman. I think we're just hoping to see pavetta not get shelled and perhaps uh, get himself into the fifth inning with no more than a few runs given up Charlie
0: same thing I'm praying you don't get he doesn't get blown up again um that's that's literally all of these all of these folks coming up
1: we
2: need Nick Pavetta to go six innings it doesn't matter if he's getting killed or not. We just need the bullpen to, to get a break, and especially without Tanner Houck uh, available in this series because of his vaccination status. We can't afford to tax the bullpen anymore than it's already going to be taxed. We, we need a good start from Nick Pavetta. They're going to lose the game, but hopefully he can go six.
1: Gosman uh, went, I think, eight innings in his uh, outing this past week with the Red Sox, so... uh struck out uh, a number of guys as well. I want to say seven or eight people. So yeah, hard to pick the Red Sox in that one. Game three, Job's boy, Michael Waka versus Ross Stripling. I think this is a winnable game for the Red Sox, but go ahead, Charlie.
0: It's a winnable game, but when you look at the offense that they have and the offense that we should have, uh, they have the edge there too. And Walker hasn't pitched a dud yet, and I think this is probably the most appropriate time to pitch one. So I'm still going to go Toronto for the rest of the series. I take Toronto here not because I think Michael Walker comes back to earth, but because
2: I worry that Nick Pavetta is going to give us three innings. And there won't be any bullpen arms behind Michael Waka to, to hold down this offense, and we're going to lose this game, unfortunately, and end the series three to one.
1: I'll take the Red Sox in that one. Um, game four, that's the three oh seven p.m. game on uh, Thursday. That's a TBD versus Alec Manoa. Uh who's been pitching as well as many of us expected he would pitch. So that T B D will be Garrett Whitlock. It will be all right. Well that's And
0: Manoa's go. gonna win that one too. Sorry guys, but How Manoa's many on fire.
1: Innings can we get out of Whitlock? Four.
0: Five ish. You know maybe think, if you're lucky.
1: He didn't he was so efficient he didn't even come close to sixty pitches in the last one it might have been uh just over forty, so I'd love to see him get stretched out to the 80-ish, but I guess you got to pitch 60 before then. So
0: Right, got to be diplomatic.
1: Yeah, so, uh, but I love seeing Whitlock uh, start anyway. So, uh, th- final thoughts, Joe? Uh, no, that, that, those were my final thoughts. I think,
2: unfortunately, we, we lose that game. I know that we are short on time, Terry, so I'll, I'll pump it right back to you.
1: Yeah, all right. Well, we will wrap on that. Hopefully, we'll at least salvage a split in this Toronto series to kind of keep ourselves treading water. Uh, Everyone, uh, have a good start to your week. Hot Take Tuesday will be out tomorrow. Uh, Enjoy that and take care.